0: On the banks of the Great River, high above the Allure Gorge, this is The Buzzer Podcast. Indie music, new releases, industry insiders, out-of-the-box conversations with guests from the true north, from the west coast to the east coast, to across the pond, and from down under. And now, here is Shay.
1: Hey, y'all, I am Shay. This is the Buzzer Podcast, independent music releases global coverage. Welcome and enjoy episode 76. From the Isle of Man, Truman Falls is on the show, represented by frontman Simon Ray. Something About Love is out now, the second single release from their future album, Silverdale. This is a wonderful continuation in soundscapes that the band began with their previous albums, Little Happy Hells, and Head Swims. An incredible, heartwarming chat with Simon about his music, the band, and the magical local scene of the Isle of Man. Enjoy the show. Hey, Simon, how are you today? Thank you for coming onto the podcast and sharing your music.
2: Thank you very much indeed for having me, Shay. And uh, I'm talking to someone in Canada. That's amazing, considering I'm from the Isle of Man which is yeah. thousands
1: of miles away is it not uh, thousands of miles away but uh, i do a lot of virtual stalking on social media <laughs> uh, so i found music and uh, or through some of my networks and uh, which you're a part of and uh very excited when i happen upon your music i love it
2: thank you very much indeed somebody uh, that, does somebody does
1: uh isle of man <laughs> is not that far from the city is it not? or pardon sorry isle of man how yeah. far is that from a big city
2: well we're on an island in the middle of the irish sea so the nearest city i would say is liverpool which is about 16 miles if you started swimming
1: i thought it was liverpool so it's part of the united kingdom
2: that's correct yeah we're like an little independent we are we have our own parliament but uh England is our close relative. So Yeah, have, so
1: you're like Canada.
2: Yes, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah but, we have but, our we have our own thing going on, but we still have the Queen visit.
2: That's quite that's quite correct. <laughs> yes. And and you're and you're bigger and more epic in everything that you do, as opposed to here. We're kind of you're kind of the big city, we're the small town.
1: Okay. I'm the big city. I'm in yeah, well, country. Canada's land. the
2: big, 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 big big being the city, and uh, oh yeah, the being a little down.
1: Is it a market that a lot of UK artists are looking to get into?
2: What's that into into what, into what? the
1: Canadian market?
2: Well, I, I don't know. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I suppose a lot of people want to break into the the, the US market, and I, I believe that's just for the amount of population. I personally, have always wanted to visit Canada as a wee nipper. I've always just. I don't know what it is. It's just something about. Maybe it's the word. I don't know. But I've always wanted to go to Canada. So, yeah. um, so I think that's kind of partly pushed me towards putting my feelers out musically in that direction, and also because uh-huh. of like the, the kind of the. I think uh, compared to America, I think you're very more British. Can I say that without people turning off the?
1: No, you can say that to me I, I, because I think, I'm a Brit. Yeah. <laughs> my my, I think, my, my I grandfather think. hailed from Manchester or just oh, right, outside okay. of Manchester. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so I suppose there's a kind of
2: an affiliation because of of the um of England and Canada and being in, mm-hmm. the, in, the, in the in the in that common um thing. So I don't know. I don't I just, know. I just I just I just I see I see Canada as a very romantic place. Always have.
1: Well, you're not the only artist that's looked to Canada. Odell is uh, uh, actually, I think, already in Canada. Yeah? uh, Doing a concert, yeah, in Toronto. Wow. Um, I'm sure he has other Canadian dates. And a well-known band used to start every North American tour uh, practicing at the Elma Combo in Toronto. Do you know which band that is?
2: This is your music trivia for today. Okay, well, I'm just trying to think of somebody. Are they a, a well, well-known band? Are they a Canadian? Oh, band?
1: yeah. They're, no, they're a UK band. Well-known. You too? No,
2: the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Oh, and we're talking right now. And Charlie Watts has just passed away today.
1: Yeah. In the, yeah. that's Rest that's, in
2: peace. Yeah. Yeah. Bless his soul. He was, uh, he was an incredible mm. drummer. Incredible drummer.
1: How about I ask you a, a trivia question before we get started? Okay. No problem. Okay. Before Phil Collins, who was the lead singer of Genesis?
2: Peter Gabriel.
1: All right, <laughs> you know your stuff, but I shouldn't have picked a UK band, should I? <laughs> like, um, uh, my bad, my bad. No, it's okay. okay. I'm just trying to think. Was
2: Glass Tiger were Canadian, weren't they? Or are they still going?
1: Glass Tiger, yeah. Glass Tiger with Alan fruit
2: Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I remember when they released their first single. Which is "Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone," which is written by Brian Adams, who also guest vocals on it.
1: Wow, such cool stuff! Eh? Okay, so tell us a bit about your background. Uh, how did you, how did you end up in music? Uh,
2: I've always I've always been around music. I remember writing my very first song when I was seven years old. I was sitting on top of a bunk bed. Uh, it was around Christmas oh. t- around Christmas time, and I wrote a song called "Snowman." And I was doing lots of school plays and doing singing and school plays and stuff. And I have my mother and father mostly to blame because they had all the record collection, which I just used to listen to avidly all the time. So I was, I'm was i a consequence of my mother and father's musical tastes, which kind of blended into me. So uh, as soon as I could, which was about 14, 15, I moved to the Isle of Man from England Oh. And started my own, started doing music and doing live performances. And then within a couple of years, I started writing. So I was about 16 when I started sitting down and consciously writing. But beforehand, it was just bits and bobs flying around, really. But, uh, yeah, it was about 16 when I started thinking, this is this is beyond a hobby. This is a passion.
1: Awesome. Did you... Pick up the guitar earlier than sixteen?
2: Uh, not, not really. No, um, I, I seem to have some sort of. I mean, I, I'm dyslexic anyway, but I seem to sort of have some musical dyslexia, where I actually pretty bad on guitar. I'm okay on drums, but so I had to you really, really learn how to get myself into guitar. So that's that's an ongoing thing. I mean, I suppose it is for all guitarists to to better yourselves, but. My, my son, uh, is, he's just turned nine. He's probably a better player than me. But I see it as a tool for writing. So, um, yeah, that's about where I'm up to really now. I mean, I, I, I rehearse every night, but I'm still pants.
1: <laughs> but you, and you, um, Paul's here and yourself do your guitars for the band. So yes. he's more the lead?
2: Yes, Basically, what usually happens when, it, when we come to writing songs is I'll sit down and start writing the song, and I'll have the uh-huh. song I'll have the song finished before we go into the studio. And um, Paul Tia is the is the wizard. He's the one with the technique, and uh, we'll sit down together, and we'll go through the arrangements ourselves, whether it be guitar, and then we'll take in other instrumentation, i.e., keyboards, and then just work around the arrangements there. And then we'll go into the studio with my great friend Dave Armstrong, who's a producer. And we'll go into his uh, little studio over here on the Isle of Man. And um, we'll thrash out arrangements of and uh, just basically have a wonderful time. I'm very lucky in that respect that we have an mm-hmm. access to a, a really good studio for us to kind of get these ideas and form them, really.
1: And and Dave Armstrong is uh, bass and keys for the band
2: as well. He's, he's the producer bass and keyboard player and he does effects as well so i mean he's been he's been doing it for a very long time but we kind of click together the three of us paul myself and david when we when we get into the studio and we also have our drummer martin who is also a guitarist and we're getting him involved in the musicality as well as the oh
1: element. so uh, he's not only a drummer he's also a no, guitarist no, guitar he,
2: no, he's multi talented, is Martin. He's very. He's a lovely man and a consummate musician.
1: So you're a four piece?
2: Yes, we kind of, we, yes, as a kind of nucleus, we are a four piece, but we, we tend to get uh, backing singers in. Or our last album we had, uh, we got uh, orchestration in and we have guest musicians. I mean, we had on our last album, we were very lucky to have BJ Cole pedal steel player who played with elton john and deacon blue so we had him uh-huh. session on on a couple of the tracks so but as a nucleus it's the is the four of us yes
1: okay and how did the band form
2: uh well that was going back back to many years ago when i met dave to record some of my early work as a solo artist and he started producing the songs and from there we kind of fell into a friendship and uh, I met Paul through music as well. He was playing another band and he was recording at the studio and that's how we met. And um, it was quite like a, an ongoing, we didn't all meet up and decide to do a band. I kept on doing solo stuff and moved to London for a few years. And then mm-hmm. I, came, I came back with um, a bunch of songs for the, for the debut album that David said, come back over to Ireland and we'll record the album. And by that time, me and Paul were very good friends and Paul was helping me with the songs. So the three of us got together and started doing the first album. Martin had co- has come along in the last few years to play to play drums. We, we tend to go through a lot of drummers for some reason. It must be garden accidents or something. But um, okay. he's he, but he's been a, he's been a, an old friend of ours. I've known him for a very long time, Martin.
1: Awesome. So the album you're referring to is Little Happy House.
2: That's correct. That's the one back in 2003. And Seems like an age. Good grief.
1: Yeah, and that was your debut, and then it followed up with your sophomore head swims. Yes, and we did. Yes, we did head swim. There was a, there was a few years in
2: between. Uh, I think we we're just like riding on the promotion of Little Happy Hells. and then I started to go through um, re, reworking my writing. I wanted to move forward. And it just it just took a long time. That's the thing about when you're doing it independently, you don't have a, a major company breathing down the back of your neck saying, get the next one out. So we took our time. I'm I'm people think it's lazy. I'm just trying to be, I just want to get it right. I'm quite a perfection. I'm quite a perfectionist, really.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So am I. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's as the artist critiquing his own music. Is the new upcoming album, Silver Daryl, different to your first two albums?
2: I think it's a combination of both. I think we did the the uh, Little Happy house was very opening kind of like uh, in a kind of merging into the pop realm. And then uh, Head Swims is kind of more it was going a bit more alt in its in its approach. And this time around, I wanted to kind of harken back to Tim Panali, kind of just get rid of all the, the the meat and get right down to the bone of the song. So it's okay. kind of like taking the idea of Little Happy Hells, which is quite quite straightforward and in your face, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. and whereas Head Swims is a bit more, uh, well, I would let's call it a bit more thinky. <laughs> For want of a better word, so I'm combining okay. the t- combining the two really, but I'm kind of picking up vibes of like the late fifties, early sixties when you had like the Everly Brothers or the Beach Boys, and definitely Beach Boys. That Tim Panally kind of process of
1: yeah,
2: getting letting the song do the work and not overdressing it, just letting getting straight in there. So there's all those influences flying around really. I, I'm not really afraid with today's music although i do listen to it i, I find it a bit too plasticky and th- i mean it, it works wonders and each to their own but i like to go back to that kind of i don't when i first listened to music i just remember listening to like the beach boys in the back garden on a summer's afternoon and it's just it's immediacy and it's 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 beauty really it's just it's not packaged up in what I would like to call, you know, that synthesizer plasticness, which is nothing wrong with it at all. It's just I love mm. that. There's a there's a more earthy feel I get a vibe from, and yeah. that's, that's I hope that's apparent in what you hear.
1: Yeah, it's earthy and airy. Actually, at the same time, we're coming up to listen to a track, something about love, which will be part of a Silver Darrell album. That's correct. I, I instantly got Beach Boy. I, I I was instantly transported to the beach right or at a barbecue it's a very summery song that's what we want to get that's great yeah that's, that's, that's the, the job the song
2: is doing its job that's what we wanted to do I
1: and loved
2: it wonderful I'm really glad yeah. you
1: do definitely made my mood more upbeat did it <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the bat I had last night <laughs>
2: yeah yeah. was it's, well, it's a bat there are no bats in the recording of the song
1: so don't uh, listeners that? don't know but off off tape i was telling simon that i had a bat enter my studio and being a city girl it was not a pretty sight <laughs> anyways <laughs> no i i loved listening to the track do you have a story behind it is it Telling us a story about something, or well, was
2: it it's, just it's there. Is, there is a story, but I like to keep it for the for the person who's listening to it to kind of have their own idea. It's 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 a love song. It's a twisted love song, really. Kind mm-hmm. of a, pl- a play on words about what love is and what it is for me. But there are there's some there's there are truths in it. But I'd rather like most things. I I'd rather the person kind of find their own story to it. Really, that's what I do with bands that I listen to. Although that said, I do like to ask, I really, I find it intriguing to find out what the artist was writing. I find that very intriguing.
1: No, I find it intriguing too. And honestly, I believe that with music, uh, if it's done right, and this music uh, has done, been done right. Thank you. A, a fan will listen to it. And regardless of how, how much you they know about the origination or the they know about why the song came about they still put their own memories to it that's why music is so powerful
2: that's very true i i, I do remember a few years ago um listening to an interview with the great paul simon and they were asking him he went to a college evidently and their was doing a dissertation or a thesis on the song call me Out, and they stood up and they asked si- paul simon so many questions about what this what this song meant to them and, and they asked him what was this song for you and he said it was just a bunch of words i put together that sounded right and i find that really intriguing that his kind of his stream of consciousness will have some meaning to him but we take it completely in a different direction ourselves our imagination and our lives that we live will make a story for our own selves and i find that incredible
1: yeah i do too it's the Peter Pan for a lot of people.
2: Yes. Yes, definitely. So we're,
1: we're going to take something about love for a spin right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. A smile.
1: love it i love i love the uh track
2: thank you very much indeed it's it was, done
1: pretty well
2: yeah it's, it's it's yeah it's i mean it's like i say we're independent and in this day and age it's it's really hard to get anyway this is why we're so grateful to have persons like yourself who are kind of pioneering and pushing forward with like people like myself and artists who are just up and coming really I mean, I, I say I say up and coming, I've been around for blooming years, but um, <laughs> it's 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 heartening to know that there are people you, you you tend to get a feeling when you listen to the radio, yeah, that 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 you're just people are offered what record companies are given. So the record company gives a radio station something and it's just pushed out. So you've got your standard artists who who are brilliant, so I'm not putting them down at all. But there huh. are but it's, it kind of keeps away the, the those gems that you there's nothing better than finding a song for yourself, finding an act or a 100%. song. hundred percent that you just you find it somewhere and it's yours. And then you introduce it to the world yourself and say, have you heard this? Have you heard this song by so and so? And people listen to it and go, good God, I've never heard that before. That's amazing. Yeah, and the yeah, their first, their first question will be, why aren't they big? And the answer is, it's because we don't go out and look enough. We should go and look with our ears more often, I think.
1: You know, that's exactly why I started the Buzzer Podcast.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have a a blog for many years, a music blogger. I also write for a New York firm for popular music content. Uh, But I really have a passion for independent music. And uh, I got too busy writing my blog and I was I. I find it—it's actually a hobby finding nuggets, beautiful nuggets of people in random places all over the world, and I would share it on my um, written block. And it got too busy, and I decided, you know what, I'm going on to on the air. So the buzzer podcast is basically the buzzer indie on air. Right, I see. Yeah, yeah, so, that's what we're all about.
2: <laughs> so, so on, so on a on a daily occurrence, do you just listen? Are you? listening to new songs. I mean yes. do you, yeah and how, how does that feel for you? I mean you to be the pioneer in that respect. It's
1: a, it's a two-edged sword because there's uh, it's a it's a double-edged sword because you you find that something is done remarkably well, but it might not be what I think is right for the podcast. Yeah, it's incredible. I normally start my day. Uh, my first day <laughs> between four and six o'clock in the morning, I put on my earphones and I go on social media. I look for posts about uh, new releases, uh, and I'm not just my own social media, but a variety of worldwide groups. And I have a list. They usually start on the Buzzer Indie written blog, and from there, uh, mature <laughs> or grow right. up to the podcast. Um, and uh, I love it. I love it. It's, it's amazing to be able to say, wow, uh, listen to this tune and be able to share it. Like um, some of my close family are incredibly affected by music. Like I am, yeah. um, it's their Peter Pan. It's, it's my Peter Pan. And I, um, I'll share something from an artist in the UK, Canada. Uh, Just recently, a new artist I found in Australia okay, uh, who reminded me a lot of David Bowie. And uh, I shared it with my daughter, Kat, who's who I'm talking about. And it it was just an incredible feeling. It's like a, a mini club. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hey, it's, look it's, what I found, and ex- he's coming on the podcast. Yeah, and they're it's, like, it's, "Wow, yeah!" It's, so it, it's an incredible feeling. It's the and excitement, ex- you know, the ex- and
2: the excitement it, of discovery, and then it's share, also and yeah, sharing that discovery.
1: It's also an overwhelming feeling in the sense that there's so much talent out there, and the artists that are putting out the music have so much passion and hard work and time in creating their music, regardless of what style of music it is. Yeah. Um, So there's that human element in it as well. And there's only so many tunes that you can put on a playlist night or you can put on a blog or you can put on a podcast, right? So there's that human element of, you know, you have to pass up some for the favor of others, but yes but
2: yeah. you must be very busy in that context of because there being so much music out there so much beautiful music out there as well i mean on a daily basis listening to new songs and that must be a i mean what do you have do you have a go-to album that you've that you've that you've always had or that you always go back to because there must be something that even when you've got all this newism around you and feeling that there must be there must be a bedrock for you what's your bedrock
1: my bedrock oh my god anything aerosmith
2: oh right okay
1: anything aerosmith okay i would say uh the who right and i would say i would say bow uh i would say david bowie um because david bowie was one of the most out there artists that didn't give two dams about what style of music he was putting out. He put music out by his soul.
0: If he decided, he, yeah,
1: if he wanted to do disco, he did disco. If he wanted to change his entire uh, thing and uh, go into something else, he did. Like he he was the, he let his art dictate or guide him as opposed to creating music for radio play yes and a lot of the artists that um well the artists that i mentioned i would say the majority of their music created music for music's sake not for radio play and i think today's music has a risk of people creating music for that radio play or creating subsequent releases after releases because it's dictated by Spotify and streaming.
2: Yes, but surely that we've 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 had that in the past. Though that this is the, so I mean Spotify is something new in itself. But mm-hmm. we've always been we've always been kind of dictated to by the three minute pop song because of the because radio stations wouldn't mm-hmm. play anything over a certain a certain amount of time. So Spotify is doing the same thing. Really, the, the fact of the matter is, you just, a good song is a good song regardless of what time it is. But yeah, it's, it's quite sad that in those, I mean, you can see why that's sad. Well, with, that, that means
1: the, <laughs> I agree with you, but I also disagree with you because one of the most played Led Zeppelin songs is Stairway to Heaven. Heaven. And that definitely isn't Radio 3 Women.
2: Really. But that's, yeah, that's very true. But that wasn't that the very first things that the Americans kind of started doing with their FM frequency of kind of pushing longer songs, I believe.
1: Uh, they, they, they were quite, they I, were I think you could be said. right. I can't be on 100% on that.
2: But we, we came out of that year of, like, the, the two-and-a-half-minute pop, some like the, the 50s and the 60s, mm-hmm. when it was that urgency of pop and getting the song out quick and getting that punchline straight away. Elvis was doing it. Everyone was doing it. Mm-hmm. And then and, – but so Spotify is doing the same thing, really. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an evil thing, but it's a good thing at the same time. I mean, we get so much diverse acts who don't have to have record companies now. That's a yeah. wonderful thing that you can listen to completely new music on a daily basis.
1: Everything, every development in music for the past few decades have all been a double-edged sword. It's positive but negative. Yes. It's change overall. Um, so you either like it all or you don't like it. My preference is music created with purpose. Yeah. And created with the art foremost, as opposed to fitting into one style of music or fitting into a a schedule, like releasing one, uh, like boom did boom did boom. This is my preference.
2: Yeah, yeah. I understand. Uh, there is, there is, there is. You can you can see there is a business approach to some art artists.
1: A hundred percent.
2: And there is, but then there is also there is an artistic approach from other artists. And I I tend to lean towards the artistic approach, whether let the let mm. the song take you somewhere. Yeah. Let the song, do the work.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. The Isle of Man is, the closest city is Liverpool. That's correct. So is that the local music scene that you sort of get involved in, or does the Isle of Man have their own local music scene? Uh, the Isle of Man has its, has its
2: very own uh music scene. We've got several bands over here with, uh, who are doing quite well. We've, um, who, Go, uh, go, go to England to tour, because we are a small island. It's about two hundred miles radius and about eighty five thousand population. We have our ah. own m- musical ecosystem, so to speak, where okay. we kind of we have our own if it, our own influences, and we do our we have our own evenings of g- gigging, and we we have our own festivals. So we do, so we have our own kind of musical our own little musical thing going on so we've got bands such as uh, there's a band over here called mad daddy who are doing really well they're getting quite a lot of airplay and ears from the bbc in uh, in the uk and so that's really good so i mean there's music probably every night over here on the island it's just be- just because we're restrained by a sea kind of doesn't help in the fact that we can't. It's very hard for us to go and tour. But the good thing about it is, it's kind of we we have a freedom here, and uh I, I mean the, the amount of time, the, the amount of life I've lived here, and I lived in London for a few years. The Isle of Man is is refreshing. It's very liberating.
1: It sounds like a great vacation.
2: It's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place to live. Pretty hard to make a living, but it's a beautiful place to live, and I will honestly wouldn't want to live anywhere else well,
1: that sounds beautiful but look, mentioning the bbc i forgot to mention you were actually on the bbc's introducing merit uh mernie mercy Side. you were on the bbc's introducing mercy side yeah that must have been something special that's
2: really good it's a it's a step in the right direction and any and anybody not you know the BBC or Yourselves or anybody who plays our music, we are we feel um, very honoured that you know they, they've taken the time to let let our song have a go. Uh, it must be very hard, especially for the BBC, if you think about it. I mean, that's one thing you could kind of put a feather in your bow. Thinking yeah. that. the BBC must get so much music on a daily basis to kind of get to play. So for someone to choose you out of the minions of others is. It's, it's, it's quite a you know a little thing that you can go go to bed with and sleep soundly with, knowing that you're you've done one thing right for the day. Yeah, that it's said, quite... but that said, you know it's and I mean, getting a an email from your good self saying you'd like to do this is is an honour. It's it's exciting. It's it's lovely. To, it's a wonderful feeling to think that your song is being played on the other side of the world. It's just, it's it's a humbling, if anything, because. You would, uh, my seven year old self would never believe me if I'd say one day your song is going to be played in calendar. Isn't that remarkable?
1: That's amazing. Yeah, you make it sound so magical. But it is, magical. <laughs> I, it love is it. It, it, I love it, is, it.
2: it, but it is, it is magical. I mean, we all there have it that, is. we all have the capability of being creative, each and every one of us. I'm looking the fact that I found music to be mine, and um, I, I people say, Oh, you should be, you know, professional. I, I don't believe in being professional. I think we're all amateurs. I think the definition of an amateur is someone who does it for the love of it. So I would rather be an amateur than a professional engineer of the week. But music is is my complete muse.
1: Touche. So, what are your future projects? Are you looking to tour?
2: Well, we've, we're going to concentrate on getting this album done. We've got another single coming out in October, which we're mixing at the moment and then we we're hoping for the album to be out early next year. But we're, we're wanting the songs to come out, um, well, the, the, the first batch of them individually, because it, it seems to be, it gives it gives them a little time and a little moment in the light, as opposed to putting it out on an album and Fair it, it, it vanishing forever on, on a CD or in the midst of Spotify. So we're kind of giving every song its little time in the sun. So mm-hmm. we've got another one we're releasing in, October. Then we're working on the album over Christmas and getting that finished off. And then we're hoping to be tour um, to be touring in the UK acoustically next year. It all depends on what's going down in the next couple of months with the the dreaded lurgy of COVID, and see um, how that goes. But next year, festivals would be something I've got my eye on. I'd love to do a few festivals over in in the UK.
1: Oh, awesome! I like that approach. Of giving a single time to have its time in the sun.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I, I think albums are wonderful. I mean, I'm if, if you said if you put a gun to my head, I'd say I would love to be an album person. But I've I've been brought up on singles, and there's an urgency to singles. So this album that, that the the album I'm writing is basically a con- is a conglomerate of singles that I've been writing, but mm-hmm. it's but purposefully. And Silverdale is the place on the Isle of Man called Silverdale, which I go and write these songs at. So the the songs are influenced by Silverdale and they're also written in Silverdale. So for me, it's very conceptual. The whole concept of the album is of Silverdale, about Silverdale, my love for Silverdale and my relationship with other people around Silverdale. But I've done it in such a way that There's an accessibility for all, so you don't have to go, oh, we don't want to go on his journey. Oh, good grief. You know, you can have your own journey with this forthcoming album, I hope.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you. So where is the best social channel to follow everything about Truman Falls?
2: Well, we're we're on uh, Facebook, which is uh, Truman Falls Official, and then we're on Instagram under Truman Falls, and Twitter under Truman Falls, which is where we met you.
1: Shay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all over Twitter. You're, you're, you're
2: all over everywhere. It was, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you were one of the first to pick up on our song as well. So well, I,
1: I, yeah, thank you. I, um, oh, that makes me feel really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, the um, Twitter. Uh, I have been long-standing on Twitter, so my following's heavier or bigger. Yeah. Um, and I'm, um, I'm just, it's, you know, once you do something every day for a number of years. It's almost a oh God, a long time. Um, it becomes a morning habit share on Twitter. So I share my morning indie find, right? Yeah. Um, Instagram's becoming more of a habit. It took me a while to get into it. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, "How do you post?" Yeah. Right? And then I, I, no, I don't. But then I realized you need an iPhone, right? Right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so once I got the iPhone, it was uh, I'm good to go, right? Right because I needed something just a bit easy. So the iPhone made it easier. Yeah. But um, Instagram that, is one of my favorites, but I do like Twitter too.
2: Yeah. I think twi- Twitter seems to have a f- from where I'm sitting anyway. I'm not, I'm, I'm no professional by any means, but I, I've seen this, this, this seems to be a more of a conglomerate of musical love there. I don't know whether it's because I'm quite new Instagram myself and where Instagram seems to be the place to advertise yourselves and, here's my new video and this is the the means of me to do that by having a 10 second clip whereas face whereas um, facebook is completely in your face ironically um, <laughs> but then you've got someone like twitter which is i don't know it's it's it, it feels more arty can i say that it just feels more welcoming in that respect of kind of it it, it leans on more of chat than anything else
1: it's more of a collective.
2: Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, Shay. Yeah.
1: Yes,
0: it is. Yeah.
1: yeah and uh, I find as a professional in music, it's more focused on music. Yes. I don't have my friends sharing their nightly meal, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. Who started feel, that? Some of my friends are incredible chefs, and I like seeing it, and I actually get the recipes. I go, I want that. DM me. Uh, but you know what? Uh, when you're about business, I go into Instagram or Twitter.
0: Right,
1: Business yeah. as in music. So, yeah. So I, I agree with you.
2: Yeah. I remember but, I mean, but the Instagram thing with the food, I mean, do, do people do that in real life? Do people walk around with their dinner yeah. on a plate and walk into people's houses and say, look what I've just eaten? I just, why do people do this? <laughs> it's
1: quite bizarre. Mm.
2: <laughs> I'm just going to take a picture of my dinner before I eat it.
1: Actually, well, no, they don't. I actually, I, I have a very odd sense of humor. Um, it's a cross between George Carlin and Mr. Bean. and <laughs> Okay. There are three students. Uh, so I find it entertaining. Right. Like there's a couple, there's a couple that have our chef quality. Right. So I get that. That's their business or that's their professional. Um, they either shoot uh, food videos. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense for them to share their dinner. What we right? need to do. What we need to yeah, do. Yeah, But is... <laughs> uh, sharing everything. Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, uh, or the daily selfie. The daily selfie I can't handle. Right. Like, um, but that's another topic altogether. <laughs> Well, I'm
2: thinking if we, if you and me came up with an app that you could actually taste, taste the phone. So if you took a shot of a meal, but you could taste it as well, we would be worth billions by the end of the year.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then there'd be somebody somewhere out there that would develop an app or rule. They're probably doing about the rules surrounding that tasting. So (laughs) I wouldn't get involved. Tastagram. We'll call it Tastagram. Tastagram. That's a good one. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed our chat. It was amazing. as as great as your music. Your music is outstanding.
2: Thank me. you very much. That's that's very kind of you to say, so God bless you. Thank you very much indeed. It's been wonderful to talk to you. And thank, oh, thank you very you. much for your support. It means a hell of a lot, both to me and to other artists who you're playing.
1: Thank you. Have a great evening.
2: You too, take care.
1: Well, that's a wrap. Thank y'all for tuning in to The Buzzer Podcast, and thank you to all the artists on today's show. The show wouldn't happen without your music. Episodes run Mondays and Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe, please, at thebuzzerpod.com. Want to hear the best indie between episodes? Follow us on Instagram, at the Buzzr Media, and on Twitter at the Buzzr The Buzzr Media sponsors this podcast, and music is provided by Kevin Estrella, "Pyramids on Mars." Cheers, all.